People are addicted to their phones. People are addicted to social media. This is a problem in every house. I don't know many people in my life that say, yeah, I'm never on my phone. I never, I'm not, I just don't ever get on my phone. Everyone is. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 98. So excited to bring you very soon episode 100, which I've actually, full disclosure, I've already recorded it. I brought in some of my great buddies, some of the uh, the regulars that have been on this podcast, and we came together. I had to film it before and had to mix up the order a little bit because we have this baby coming. In fact, by the time you listen to this podcast on Monday, we will have already had it, uh, or there was a complication, or I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the outcome. All I know is I'm doing this podcast by myself today. I'm going to be the only one today because literally tomorrow morning, Amber and I are going to the hospital to deliver little baby Maverick. So um, giving this to you, solo and with a lot of anticipation going on in my head. So as I, as I go through this, as I roll through this episode, I'm going to have a little heightened um, anticipation on what's going to happen to me tomorrow. I don't know how that's going to affect the way this podcast goes or how it's going to affect um, the, the way that I answer these questions. If you're new to this podcast, I answer your questions. Usually I have guests with me. Sometimes I'm solo and you email your questions to grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Ask me anything, ask my guest anything, and we roll through it as if we're sitting in the cab of a truck, sitting around a campfire, and you just say, hey man, you mind if I ask you something, something I've been thinking about? It could be about life, or love, or music, or hard times or good times or your boss or your career, your relationship, whatever it might be. We get into it right here on this podcast. I love it. And I'm so blessed uh, to have had this many episodes. That means that I did those many, uh, I did so many episodes because you guys kept listening enough for me to want to do more. And every day I look, I don't, every time I look, at the ranking of this podcast, it's usually really high on the the all music podcast. Like it's sometimes it sits around the you know top twenty of all genres of all music podcast, which just blows me away. And I'm very, I'm just very blessed to have this kind of platform. And and that's a testament to you guys that listen. If you're if you're listening on the way to your work or or you're listening at home, or you're over the road trucker, or you're a police officer in your in your car. I know there's all different people that are listening to this, and there's also all different formats. I know people listen on Apple or Spotify or YouTube, um, anywhere you could find this podcast. There's different people listening on different platforms. So shout out to all you guys. If you are on Apple, by the way, uh, go ahead. You could you could rate this podcast, and you can give me a comment. That helps me to kind of get a pulse on what you're thinking. So, yeah, I'm going to jump right in here to question number one. It says, hey, Granger, I'm Matthew. I'm from Enumclaw, Washington. I think that's how you say it, guys. Enumclaw, Washington. 
Are you going to do another live album? I love your podcast and your music. I just want to say thanks and for you and your family and your band. I appreciate you, Matthew. Thank you for writing. I love this question. I love that we might do. First of all, I love that you said another one because we do have a live album. It's called Live at the Chicken. It came out, I believe, in 2010, something like that, 10, 11, somewhere around there. And I guarantee you, Matthew, we will do another one. I don't exactly know when, but I would think I actually texted my brother uh, recently and said, Hey man, we should do another live album. So the, the question to you guys is, and which you can comment if you're on iTunes or YouTube or any, any one of these formats that has a comment section, what is a good venue where we should record the next live album? It has to be vibey and cool and different, good acoustics, great crowd. Where should we do that? Be thinking, okay? Be thinking, go to my socials and let me know if you can give me an idea. And I'll be thinking in the meantime. But yeah, thank you for writing, Matthew. I appreciate your brother. Shout out to Washington too, by the way. We're about to head out there um, and do a bunch of shows coming up really soon. So we'll see you guys in the fall. Uh, Next question, uh, another music-related question comes from Sydney. It says, hey, Granger, how many guitars do you have and which one is your favorite? And what would be the best one for a beginner? I have recently counted because I because we moved and we moved into this new house where we are now. So I recently took an uh, an inventory and it sits the number sits around 20. I have around 20 guitars because I might have forgotten one or two. It might be 21, might be 19, but it's it's somewhere in there. Um I have several favorites. I have a favorite for the road. Um, I have a favorite, which is my, my John Mayer Martin. It's my road dog. And Todd, my other guitar player has one just like it. And then fish, my other guitar player has a very similar one too. So, um, we have those because they're just indestructible on the road. They sound great. They, you could plug them into anything and they sound great. They're built really well. Um, they play really well. Um, then I have my, my favorite wall hangers. I have my favorite sentimental ones. I have my favorite historic ones. Um, if you watch the Smiths, I have a, a, a Gibson that I recently acquired that is really, really awesome. It's a J 45 and it's from, um, 1946. So really old. And I have of course the ones that I grew up playing and I have some, some of the ones that have been very important shows of mine, very important seasons of my life. So my guitars are my girls. I love them. They all play different. They all feel different in my hands. They all sound different to different songs. I've recorded different ones on different songs that I needed a different feel to. So very sensitive about these guitars and very passionate about it. To you, Sydney, to answer your question about what would be the best beginner guitar, it, it it kind of depends on how serious you want to get. If you want to get, if you're like, man, I'm, I am dead set on learning this guitar. I already have a little bit of background in it and I already have, you know, these, these plans with it. Then you, then you might want to spend a little extra money. You might want to spend 500 bucks or more. You might want to go between 500 and a thousand dollars. If you're like, I've, I'm desperate to learn this. I have to. It's a passion. 
if you're if you're like I'd like to give it a shot, I'd like to try it. I don't I don't really have any music background, and I don't really know how this is going to go, and I don't have plans for lessons. Then don't don't spend over four or five hundred bucks. Don't do that. Um, you could go to your local guitar shop and look in the two two to three hundred dollar range. Anything below that, it's, it's a toy. Anything a hundred dollar range is a toy. But you want to go two to three hundred bucks, and then you want to tell the guy that you buy it from in the music shop that you want nylon strings, and he's going to look at you like you're crazy. But you want to take the steel strings off of it and replace it with nylon strings that that typically go with a classical guitar. And the guy's going to go, "You don't want to do that. This who told you to do that?" Go Granger Smith podcast told me to do it. And so, a normal acoustic guitar. Um, it's the, the strings, the steel strings have little metal balls at the end of them. The nylon strings don't. So you have to tie knot. You literally have to tie knot just like a fishing line. That's what it feels like. Tie knot at the end of the string and run it through. And then, and then that knot will serve as the, the little metal ball. This will save your fingers and it will allow you to play more and it, it, it will keep you in the game longer because if you, those steel strings on a cheaper guitar are harder to push down and it's going to start cutting your fingers before you have calluses built up and you're going to get blisters and you're not going to want to play and you're going to throw it in the corner and you're going to get mad and you're going to say, I can't do it. When in reality, it was just because you were playing a cheap guitar with strings that were crushing your fingers. That's my advice. And I know, I know I've kind of explained that before, but I'm sticking with it. That's what I used to do. That's it. I skip around here, and at this point, I don't know how deep we're about to go, but we're about to go down a rabbit hole. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to click on this one. It says, Take the reins. Howdy, Granger. My name is Will. I'm a 20-year-old part-time diesel mechanic, part-time student. My first, my question for you revolves around my desire to get married. It's something I've been praying for, for years. I'm very passionate about it. The question I have is how much should I be, how much should I be sitting back waiting for the right woman without letting her slip by? In other words, should I take the reins and put myself out there or expect to just know when God brings the right one into my life. I love your podcast. My brother and I are going to see you at Tailgates and Tallboys in Taylorville, Illinois. Thanks, Will. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, Will. Yeah, we already played um, Taylorville, so this this email came July nineteenth. So uh, I hope you had, hope you had a good time. It's a good question, and I see I see similar questions a lot on this podcast. Um. The answer always will revolve to me, will kind of revolve around your age. So 20, um, you're 20 years old. That tells me there's, this is not desperate. You know, there's, you're not, um, you're not, you're not in need of a wife right now, right? Every man needs a companion. Every, every woman needs a companion, but, um, you're not, you're not, you know, crushing the time clock right now saying, man, I got to, I'm, I'm pushing 50 years old and I'm still single. So this is a different story for you, Will. Your question says, 
sh- basically, should I be sitting back waiting for the right woman? Um, or should I actually put myself out there or just expect that to know when God brings the right one into my life? Okay. Let me kind of walk through this, my thoughts. I'm not guys. I'm not, I don't always have the right answers, maybe even rarely, but this podcast is not about right or wrong answers. This podcast is about, Will, you're my buddy and you're saying, Hey Granger, can I get some advice? And this is, this is buddy advice. Buddy advice is not always right. It's not always wrong. It's just buddy advice. So this is what I'm going to tell you. We, as, as Christians, because you brought up God as Christians, we never sit back and let God do something for us. Because that's not, that's not the way God works. God works through us, through, through humanity. His will is acted out through men and women. And part of the way that he acts that out, that he enables his will to, to happen, is through our desires and through our wants. And I love this subject, and it might not even be the first time I bring it up today according to these questions, but it, it goes something like this. If you're living for God, if you're in his word, if you're fervently praying, if you're you're, you're being obedient to the best of your ability according to the word that you're reading and, and, the, and the prayers, the sincere prayers that you're, that you're, you're telling him and you're, and, you're, and you're feeling gratitude and you're giving him thanks and you're trusting him. See, trusting him and having faith in him doesn't mean you kick back in a chair and say, now I trust you, God, so now do it. It means that when you trust him and you have faith and you're in his word, and you're deep in prayer, then at that point, you do whatever you want to do. You literally go out and do whatever you want to do. And you're thinking, whoa, hold on, Granger. What? You don't just do whatever. Yeah, yeah, you do, if you meet those requirements. So, as the Bible says, those that delight in the Lord, right? If, you, if you're delighting in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. So, you do whatever you want to do because he will make your want tos. He creates what you want. He creates that desire in your heart to do whatever you want. So if you're delighting in the Lord and you're all those things I said, then he's going to give you a want to. He's going to give you a desire. He's going to get, he's going to say, he's going to create the the, your ability to, to discern what you want to do or not. And then you can trust it. You could trust that desire. Does that make sense? So what I'm trying to say is, if you're chasing after him full strength, and you're doing all these things, and you see a girl, and she's beautiful, and she's sweet, and, and her family's great, and you go, this girl's amazing. And then you realize, yeah, God brought her to me because I was on a path. I was, I was heading down this path. So let me give you some points of action here. You're, you're a part-time, yeah, part-time diesel tech, full-time student. So during this time, 
you're hanging with friends, you're going to church, you're in a small group, you're, you're hanging with your buddies, the diesel tech buddies, um, you're studying like crazy. You're putting all that into full swing. Like this is your effort. This is what you're doing. Will. this is your, this is your life. And along that path, when a girl comes around, which they do, this is how it happens. There's like 50, 50 in this world, men and women, right? Something like that. So that's going to happen. You're going to run into a girl and she's going to be at church or she's going to be a waitress or she's going to be bringing her diesel in for you to fix it. Or she's going to be a a student at school. She's going to be in the faculty. She's going to be a friend of a friend, or you're going to, you're going to break your ankle and she's the nurse at the hospital. There's, this is going to happen. And then when you have your eyes open and you're focused and you're on the right path, you're going to know that she's the right one. So when you say, put yourself out there, are you talking about like dating apps and stuff? Because no, I don't think so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. If me and you were sitting around a campfire, I'd say, what do you mean by put yourself, take the reins and put yourself out there? What do you, what do you mean? Because dating apps or, or stalking people on Facebook is not, that's not the way that this is going to happen. Um, it can, it does, but probably not. Will. Um, it's probably going to happen in real life. So live your real life. Do what you do. Do what you love to do. Love God, put him first, and then do what you love to do, which is diesel trucks and school and hanging out with your buddies. Um, that, and, and if you're following that that path, then she's going to come. So I appreciate you emailing, man. Um, this question comes from Timothy, and it says, the first thing it says is I'd like to remain anonymous. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like I didn't say that. Good morning, Granger. Me and my kids love your music and the family channel and Yee apparel and your open faith. My question is, I'll try to word this well enough that you could figure it out. How do I talk to my wife about getting off social media? Her phone to be a mother to my kids, right? So here's some info. Here's what's, here's what's going on. He says, I'm 35. She's 26. We have three kids. We've been married for five years. Our youngest is two. Our oldest is 10. And throughout the day, we talk on my breaks and she is constantly irritated and aggravated with the kids and complaining about something they have done and how they act. Even when they're on the phone, she's on social media. I end up getting off the phone because she's not talking to me and she gets upset. And when I'm home, uh, the kids are on my hip hundred percent of the time because she goes outside with, because when she goes outside with them, she's on her phone. Uh, I'm skipping down here. So it's, and, and, and I, and my kids are really annoyed by this. And I believe them because every minute when we're at home, uh, this is what she's doing. Unless we're sleeping, unless she's sleeping or, or we're having intimate time, she's on the phone. I'm sorry this email's so long. I try to talk to her about her phone, and she gets defensive and makes it a big dramatic scene. Uh, says, we'll just get rid of Facebook, but that only lasts one day. I could really use some advice. Sorry, guys, for paraphrasing on that email. Uh, but, yeah, I, I get the gist. I get the gist. Um, people are addicted to their phones. People are addicted to social media. And this is... that. There's a couple ways we could, we could tackle this if we were hanging out. 
Um, we, we all know that this is a problem and this is not, I hope you know, this is not just a problem in your house. This is, this is a problem in every house. I don't know many people in my life that say, yeah, I'm never on my phone. i have never, I'm not, I just don't ever get on my phone. Everyone is. And the, these phones are made addictive on purpose. Um, they, they, everything about them and the way that they're built and the, and the, the operating systems and, and all social media apps are built so that you return to them over and over and over again. In fact, the swipe up, you know, you can just swipe up to on every social media app that literally comes from swiping a slot machine at a casino. So as addictive as a, as a slot machine, at a, as a casino is, this is. This is what people are doing with their phones and, and these social media companies and these phone companies, they know it. So they're trapping us. So the fact that your wife is doing this is, it's, it's not really that she's a weak person. She's just falling into it. She fell into a trap. And so you need to help her with this. Part of the way you could help her is to make sure that you're not falling into the trap. Right. I mean, we can't just keep looking at everyone else and not realizing that we're doing the same thing and your kids might be doing the same thing. That doesn't change the fact that it's still a problem. So one way to tackle it is when she's not on her phone and when she's playing with the kids or when she's talking with you, reinforce how awesome she is because she's so focused. Like you'll say, babe, this last, the last 20 minutes, this conversation has been amazing. You are, you're focused, you're engaged. I just, there's a lot of people in my life, but I love talking to you. I love talking to you because you're so, you're, you're just, you're just easy to talk to, especially when we don't have our phones around, you know, like phones, it's just easy to, so like you're reinforcing to her in her mind that my husband is, loves when I'm, when we're actually having a real conversation. The, the other thing is, it's just a conversation about you, you putting the problem on yourself first, instead of blaming her because you can't blame her for this. So instead you go, babe, can I talk to you about something? I think I'm having, having, having a problem with looking at my phone all the time. And I, I need you to help me to get off of it. So what are some things that we could do to help get off of it? For example, I know a couple that, um, when he comes in from work and she comes in from work, they drop their phones in a little basket at the front door. So it's like, you have your phone out during the day, but when you come into the house, you drop it into a basket and there's a certain time during the day, like an hour during the day when they can go and get their phones out of the basket. And that's extreme, but it's something there's, there's always a way there's always a way with this kind of stuff. And, and it, I think it starts with communication, um, deleting Facebook, getting rid of Facebook never helps. As you said, it only lasts one day. It, I I've seen people, there's different apps that could help you. Um, that could help monitor your, your login time. Um, some people will delete the passwords 
or log themselves out. Like every time you get off Facebook, you log yourself out so that when you get back on Facebook, you have to log in and it's annoying and you don't want to do it every five seconds because you got to keep logging in. But that takes discipline to do that. Um, there is, there was an app that John Marlin, our guitar player, my guitar player and I, we used this a lot and it was, gosh, I wish I could, I wish I could remember the name, but there's so many, if you type in, you know, screen time management, screen management, those kind of apps. But this one was a tree and you, you, when you close your screen, it's, it starts growing a tree. And if you open your phone within a certain amount of time, it kills the tree. <laughs> so you see the, like the little leaves withering, but the longer you leave your phone closed, the tree grows and like blossoms and gets bigger and grows flowers. And, and you, when you just see your, your uh, home screen, it says I'm growing a tree and it says the time. And it's just, it's a stupid way to make your mind. It's like a game. So you go, Oh, I'm, I can't open my phone. Like the tree's never been this big before. It's looking really good. So there's, anyway, there's all, there's all kinds of mind tricks. Um, it, it boils down to this. If you're on a diet, if you're, if you're wanting to start a diet, one of the best things to do on the diet is clear your pantry and clear your cabinets of cookies and sweets and all the things that you don't want to eat. Because it's nearly impossible for anyone to be on a diet and you walk into the kitchen and there's warm chocolate chip cookies just came out of the oven on a plate right there on, in the kitchen. And you're on a diet trying not to eat cookies. It's almost impossible. So you get rid of it and you don't cook cookies and you keep them out of the house. And it's the same thing with any kind of addiction. And that's what phones are. They're addictions. So um, don't blame her for this. Don't put the blame on her. Encourage her when she's not on it and try to clear the house from the addiction, including you. Put it on you first because I know you have the same problem. I know you do because you wrote me this email on your phone. I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying all humans are part of it. I'm one of them, everyone. So limit the time. Limit the screen time. You could also limit a lot of, a lot of these modems like Wi-Fi modems could limit the Wi-Fi. So then you have to log back in and request more Wi-Fi. We do it with our kids. We only give them a certain amount per day when it's up, they have to request more from us. And most of the time we're going to say no. So that's something you guys could both do together. Just a thought. Take a break. Be right back. podcast today is brought to you guys by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I have ever tried. Athletic Greens is one of the the things that I've talked about in this podcast several times, and then they sent me a sample of it, and I loved it so much that then I actually became a member myself, and I actually subscribed to it. So I actually just got my newest shipment yesterday. I love this stuff. It's a, it's a green superfood powder. You take a scoop, you put it in some water, you mix it up, and it tastes amazing. It makes you feel amazing. It makes you feel like you don't have to get any other vegetables the rest of the day, and you probably don't. So this stuff is, is really awesome. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and much more. 
They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and supports a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. It's really awesome, guys. And simply visit athleticgreens.com and join athleticgreens.com slash Granger and join health, health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their healthy lifestyle every single day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash Granger and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. See, Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during these crazy months, and they're offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. If you visit my link today, you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. This is the stuff I take on the road with me. I put it in a protein shake. I could throw an apple or banana in there, or I could eat it by itself. It's really awesome. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash Granger. That's athleticgreens.com slash Granger and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Podcast is also brought to y'all by Decked. If you own a truck and you know what it's like to have your stuff rattling around the cab or underneath the seat and you know what a pain it could be to help keep it organized, not only that, but everything you put in your truck bed is unsecured and exposed to the elements. That's why for my truck, I got the decked drawered system. Now this came in and me and Butch and Bull installed it. It is awesome. It's so heavy duty. It's got these big old drawers on it and it's, it keeps, you could still have a bed of your truck and it's, it sinks down probably about six to eight inches where you could still use all the top of the bed, but it has these massive drawers. They pull out and they could just hold anything, keeps organized. It keeps it locked. It makes organizing, accessing, protecting, and securing everything so much easier. Each of decks, two full bed length drawers can carry up to 200 pounds of whatever you got. The drawers roll out waist high, giving you easy access to your organized tools and gear. It has a true 2,000 pound payload capacity load floor, and the drawers slide underneath the load floor. Plus, they're weatherproof, protecting all your stuff from the elements and theft. The deck drawer system keeps your gear secure. It's out of sight, out of mind. If your tailgate's locked, you can't open the drawers and you can't remove the system. Drawer locks are available for added security and peace of mind. Decked also offers a full line of segmented storage organizational accessories and various toolboxes, bags, cargo tie-downs, and other handy items for maximum efficiency, both the space and your time. The Deck George system is 100% made in the USA and backed by a three-year no-hassle warranty with a second-to-none customer service team ready to answer all your questions. Get your Deck George system at decked.com slash Granger and get free shipping. That's decked, D-E-C-K-E-D dot com slash Granger for free shipping on your decked drawered system, decked.com slash Granger. Next question says, Hey Granger, my name is Tegan. I'm 20 years old. I'm from Spanaway, Washington. That's the second Washington we've had today. About 40 minutes outside of Seattle. I love that you have such a big, beautiful, amazing garden. Growing my own food is something I'd love to start doing. However, my experience with plants has been mostly with potted succulents. I would love some tips, tricks, best advice, and product recommendations on starting and maintaining a garden. 
and how to start seeds. It would be best if I could start my seeds indoors. Washington is cold and very rainy much of the year. Keep killing it with your music. I hope to come see you at show at your show in Seattle in November. Best wishes to you, Amber, London, Lincoln, and baby Maverick. Thank you so much, Tegan. Appreciate it. Um, so this is a uh, this is a, it's going to be an interesting question because Washington and Texas are very different, and I don't know a lot about growing in Washington. But um, it it is except we have a lot of succulents. It is interesting that you're wanting to start with seeds. I love gardening, and your your subject line of the email is Granger's Gardening 101, which is interesting. I I love gardening. Um, just as much as I like eating the produce from my garden, I like just maintaining it. And I like the process of setting it up and I love getting the soil ready and I love making my own mulch and I love, uh, the watering process and, and the bug maintenance. I would say this Tegan, not knowing your setup at home and how much space you have. There's a couple interesting things you could start right away. The first thing I would recommend starting before anything is a worm farm. And worms could be so beneficial to any garden or plants or flowers, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, um, or just for your soil, for your lawn. And I'm pretty sure you could do it in Washington or Texas or anywhere in between. So once again, not knowing your setup, I have, um, I have a worm farm that I got a couple of years ago. Those that watched the Smiths with me can probably remember when I got this, this setup, but it's a, it's like a green bin. I forgot the name of it, but it's a, it's like a green bin and it funnels inward. So if you're watching me on YouTube, you can see my hands, it funnels, the top is fatter and it starts, it starts funneling down inwards. And so you, you put your, I started with some regular soil and then you, as you start composting on top of that, you put your kitchen, kitchen scraps in there and the worms will, will eat, eat their way up. And then it pushes the good soil down, down, down. And like the worm castings and they go to the bottom and then you could actually harvest the very bottom, um, that dirt and put it straight to your garden or your flowers. And it's amazing. It's the best fertilizer you could possibly get. And I love getting mine I actually just was out there before I started this podcast today and, uh, was noticing it's time for me to harvest that fresh dirt. And so I'll go be able to take it and put it out there. Um, so I would start with that. And then the second thing you could do that's like back to back with the worms is composting and, Every time you have kitchen scraps, you might already do this, but there's several ways. I have a, I use the worms. I have pretty much three different composts. I have the worms and then I have a tumbler and then I have just a big open bin. So the big open bin and I have um, two different sections of that so that I could use a shovel and move, you know, some compost over, but we'll get, just start simple and you start with your kitchen scraps. And that's like your banana peels and your apple cores and your coffee grinds and your grounds and your, uh, paper towels, um, eggshells, any kind of fruit scraps, um, anything that's not meat or bread or dairy is great. And you just, 
you can get a tumbler, like you can go to any hardware store and get you a tumbler like I have. And it's sits on a metal frame and it spins. You might've seen this. You, you asked me for gardening one Oh one. So forgive me if you already know this kind of stuff, but oh man, composting is great. Cause you're, you're turning your kitchen scraps into straight soil, which is amazing. And these black tumblers, they take the heat of the sun and it heats that compost up really hot and breaks it down quicker than it would in a normal nature setting. And then this is setting you up so that when you do have your garden, you have, you have worms, you have worm castings, which is the fertilizer and the worm juice, which is like straight fertilizer concentrate. And then you got your compost, which is your dirt. So you're, you're creating the, the perfect environment for your garden. And then the other thing I do is mulch. I, I make my own mulch, um, whether it comes from uh, different scraps that are too big for the compost or grass clippings, or um, if I cut down a tree and I'm, I'm using all the sawdust and the chippings from the tree, that makes really good mulch. And so then the mulch goes on top once you once you get your plants in the ground the mulch goes on top that's going to protect you in washington from the heat the the sun the cold the rain it's it holds in the moisture from the from the water so you it it keeps the weeds out it fertilizes it all at the same time it's it's incredible so these are like the basics of gardening and so once you have these kind of basic ideas set up i would i would probably do a raised bed for you and start, start with a a simple raised bed. You can go to your hardware store and get you a metal metal container. I did that this year and I'm probably, I'm going to do it next year. Super easy. Instead of cutting up your backyard and making rows, you could just sit there and, and do a raised bed. You could do a a lighter um, raised bed that you could actually move and move it into your garage. So then you could beat the winter and, um, it, you could you could beat the freeze if you have like an early freeze or a, a late freeze something like that. So, other than that, if you actually want to get into plants, then it's gonna it really depends on your preference. What do you like? What do you do you like uh, potatoes or tomatoes or strawberries or are you you like berries? Do you like um, peppers? You like okra? Okra's gonna, okra needs some extreme heat, so you're only going to get that a short time of the year. But anyway, at this point, um, I would love to see a picture of uh, what you get started, Tegan. Thank you for emailing. Here's a question. This is a, a different turn. Says subject says, having moral inter- integrity in today's world, having moral integrity in today's world. Hey Granger, I'm currently a freshman at Kansas state studying mechanical engineering college and life in general has been pretty rough over the last year or so. I've lost a close friend, had my younger brother and father both go through rehab for substance abuse and endured a toxic relationship. I feel now that I'm stronger than ever. And my family is now closer than ever too. I see a lot of my peers dealing with their problems through drugs, alcohol, and lustful relationships. It often seems like I'm the odd man out with my moral values. My question for you is this. In what ways do you still maintain a social life and still uphold your, mor- your own moral values? 
And how do you truly embolden those values so that no one person or circumstance can sway them? Best regards, Connor. Connor, shout out to K-State and Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> that is a party town, buddy. I could feel your sentiment coming out of this party town of Manhattan. Um, mechanical engineering, you are, you're a smart dude. So let me, uh, let me break this down for you as if me and you are buddies at a campfire. You have, you've had a rough year. Um, you lost a close friend. And your brother and your father have both uh, gone through rehab for substance abuse and, and endured a toxic relationship. Um, you've had a lot of stuff going on. And you feel closer than ever to them now. You are stronger than ever and closer, closer to your family than ever. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let me lay this out for you, in my opinion. With your, with your younger brother and your father both going through rehab for substance abuse, I would stay far away from that kind of influence with your friends because it's hereditary at this point. Could be, could be. So that's helping me answer the part of your question that says, how do you still maintain a social life? Well, I think your social life, because of your family history, needs to look differently than what you might think it's going to look like. Like, if you're thinking, I'll just be a designated driver, and I'll just go to these parties with everyone, and I'll be like the good guy, and make sure everyone stays in line, and I could take everybody home. Man, I, I don't think, Connor, I don't think that's something, a task that you should be taking on. Could you? Yes, you could. You're probably a smart dude and and strong-willed and capable. But we're going back to the cookie jar thing, you know? We're going back to the, you're on a diet and there's a, there's a warm chocolate chip cookie right there and you got this, and it's hereditary for you. Why would you want to be in the room with the chocolate chip cookie when you're trying to be on a diet? It's the same thing. It's the same, this is like the same conversation of the social media. Um, so a couple things here. You're asking me, having moral values, having integrity in today's world. Well, if you ever say the word moral, to me, to me, if you ever say the word moral, I'm going to ask you, where are you getting your moral basis from? Like, where, where are you deciding what morals are? And by what standard are those morals? Are they from the Bible? Are they from a really nice self-help book? Are they from Sigmund Freud's psychology? You know, like, where, where, what morals are you talking about? Um, because if you just say, you know, like, worldly good morals, what is that? Is that, is that obeying the law? Is that staying within Kansas law? Uh, so th- my point is, it's very gray. You got to know if you're going to say morals, you got to know a concrete level of what those morals are. Like, this is what I could do. And this is what I can't do. There's no gray. 
the Bible tells me where, where my black and white is. It doesn't, it doesn't allow me to fall into gray. There is no gray. So for you, my first piece of advice is, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dissect your question when you say, I see a lot of my peers dealing with their problems through alcohol, drugs, and lustful, res- lustful relationships. Let me say that again. You say, I see a lot of my peers dealing with their problems through drugs, alcohol, and lustful relationships. Brother, you need new friends. You need to change your friends. Change them out. They are having an impact on you, even if you don't know that they are. Right? You got to change your environment because your environment makes you. If I meet your five friends, I'm going to know who you are through your five friends. You will not be the odd man out. As much as you think it, that's not what humans do. We are always a product of who we hang around, what we do, the society we're living in, the, in the environment, the civilization, the city. We are a product of our environment. That's how we are built. So unless you change that environment, unless you change your friends, you will be dealing with the same problems with drugs, alcohol, and lustful relationships, period. There's no way around it. You will be that. You will be those guys. You might be a slightly better version of them with the same problems, solving it with the same remedies. Some of them might be really bad at it, and you're not so bad, but it's the same thing. So you got to change your friends. You got to hang out in a different circle. You got to find a new group. You got to go to a different organization. You got to go down the other side of the campus at K State. You got to get out of the lease with your roommate. Man, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna live on my own, or I'm gonna. I'm going to get a potluck roommate. You got to change the script. Why am I sounding desperate right now? Why am? Why is my voice getting desperate to you right now, buddy? I'll tell you, Connor, it's because you told me your younger brother and your father are going through rehab for substance abuse. This is in your blood, man. And now you're, you're hanging out with these dudes. I'm not knocking you. I'm saying this as a friend around a campfire, Connor, you need new friends. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to suggest that you go you know me, you know, you know, you listen to this podcast, you know me, I'm going to tell you that I would suggest you go to church. You find a good church in Manhattan and Pastor Chad, who's a guest on this podcast all the time, could help you. I guarantee you there is an awesome church in Manhattan, Kansas with some awesome people and probably, possibly a future wife for you waiting for you there. Just saying. But that is a place you can go and get involved, become a member, say, what can I do to help serve you guys? Oh, y'all are going out on Saturday and you're, you're giving out backpacks to little kids that need them for elementary school? I'm in. Oh, you're going out next Tuesday, you're going out to help uh, the, the lady down the street because she had a tree fall in her yard and you're using chainsaws and you're cutting up her tree to clear her front yard for this widow lady? I'm in. That's what a church will help you do. And then you're out there and you're like, man, I've I'm, I'm got this chainsaw. I'm helping 
cut this tree down for this lady. And these dudes I'm doing this with are cool. They're good guys. I bet you those aren't the guys that are going out with drugs and alcohol and lustful relationships trying to get me in trouble. Bro, you're a freshman at K-State. You got a lifetime ahead of you. You got to change these things right now. You got to get this stuff lined up. You got a big future in, in mechanical engineering. You're going to have a good, you're going to be set. You're going to have a good life. You're going to get a good job. The world needs mechanical engineers right now. You're going to have a good set job with a good education from a great university. But you got to make some changes if you want to see that fulfillment. Go down to your local church, see what they're doing. Change your five, change your five friends. Start with that. One, two, three, four, five, change them out. Man, where do I go after that after that rant? I'm not sure if I, I'm just like debating if I should read this question with the subject line, why? I got to now, right? It says, why? I'm 14, but when I was eight years old, my mom and dad both passed away in a car accident. I went into foster care where I got the best family I could ever ask for. But in December of 2018, my foster dad died serving. And then in 2019, my foster mom committed suicide. Your music has saved me. But my question is, why is God taking everyone I love away from me? I'm tired of this life. I'm ready to give up. Question comes from a 14-year-old named Cooper. Cooper, first thing I'm going to say, first thing I'm going to say is there are, there are hotlines set up for people to talk to you. And I would, I would really want you to go speak to a counselor and, um, and pour your heart out to somebody. You said, you mentioned God with the uppercase G, so I'm going to tell you that to go to Christian counseling, um, go to your local church, and just pour your heart out to, to these very qualified people that are set up for this, that have, that have heard stories like yours. You're not alone. You're not the first one that this has happened to, and that doesn't take away the fact that it's so hard, and I'm so sorry. Um, a 14 year old shouldn't have, uh, this kind of stuff, but there's a strength in your, your questioning too. There's a strength and part of it comes from you saying that music saved you. Part of it comes from you capitalizing the G in God, which is something, um, Part of, part of it is saying that you got the best foster family you could ever ask for, which is a blessing. Part of it comes because I know that you loved your mom and dad, which is where, where part of this pain is coming from. And you were eight years old when that happened. So I would ask you this. Your, your subject is why. So you're questioning 
Why God? Why God? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you taking everyone I love away from me? And through, through counseling, through your grief, through a lot of people trained professionals that you need to talk to on the other side of that, on the other side of all those people, here's me, here's me. And I would say, Cooper, God is, God is talking to you. God is preparing you through this suffering. He is, he is making a, he is, this is profound, right? This is a profound story. And so the way I see it, Cooper, is that a story like this of so much pain and tragedy and suffering to a person of faith that believes in God only has a good story, a good ending, a good ending. And, and, and God is setting you up for something big. He's going to put you in a place. This is just me thinking out, talking out loud. He's putting you in a place where one day you'll be able to, to make an impact because of your story. You'll be able to sit in front of people and no matter what someone throws at you, no matter what kind of loss they have, no matter what kind of disability they've, they've endured, no matter what kind of hardships they've had to go through, you could look at them and say, I lost my parents in a car accident. And then I got a great foster family and both of them died. And then everyone at that point is listening to you because you have the floor, Cooper. You have the floor. You have the upper hand of suffering at that point to them for them to listen to you. So then I say, Cooper, what will you do with that? What will you do with the chance to have the upper hand in a conversation to people that are hurting? Would you say to them, I gave up. It got the best of me. It was the end of me. One loss was hard. The second loss was harder. And then the last combination of losses, I just gave up. Would you be comfortable telling a panel of people in a room of suffering people that? Or would you say something like, that happened when I was 14 and by the time I turned 25 and I knew that God brought me through this suffering, he didn't eliminate the suffering. He brought me through it. He carried me through it. That's where the power of God is. And you look at this room and you go, and now I'm here to help you. I'm here to walk you through it. I'm here to tell you how I did it, how Cooper, how I did it. I'm here to tell you how the most painful childhood can turn into the most fruitful life. Because now I'm, this is you talking, Cooper. I'm still talking for you because now I'm married, beautiful wife, beautiful kids that I treasure, that I love. And guess what? My daughter's eight. And I remember when I was eight, I lost my parents in that car accident. And my son is 14. And I remember when I was 14 and I lost my foster parents. 
And so now I love them and I cherish them and I build them up and I encourage them and I lead them on a path towards God and I teach them about integrity and honor and truth. And now they're great humans. And now I could stand in front of this group and I could help them and I could help them through their suffering all because I kept moving forward. I trusted God that he was carrying me through this all because I suffered. And now not only am I better because of it, but my family is and now all these people because then, Cooper, you'll have a platform that no one else has. None of that might help you right now, but a counselor can and some some people could come that, that are trained for this. But after that, after that, after you, after you get through the day by day, because right now it's a day by day thing. It's, it's a, if, it, if day by day is too much, then it's, it's hour by hour. And if that's too much, then it's minute by minute. If that's too much, it's the next breath. That's all you have, the next breath. But once you get through that, then I want you to listen to what I told you. I want, to listen, I want you to listen to this, this potential story that you have of redemption, of restoration. A local church could help you through this. A good, a good, solid local church. Not a weak one. Not a, not a, not a weak gospel church. Not a cowardly church. There's a lot of those a strong, passionate pastor that has, that has a, a shepherd's heart that wants to, that wants to grow. You know, that's, there's one of those in your town. There always is. I appreciate you guys. It's uh it's different when I sit here and go on rants by myself in, in a room, but, um, these, these solo podcasts are kind of good for me too. So I'm just a few hours away. I'm about to go to bed and then I'm literally a few hours away from heading to uh, the hospital and bring this little baby into the world. This is a baby that, and, and somehow, somehow, some way this will be, he'll know this, but this is a baby that's coming into this world because another is not in this world. This is a sibling that's coming into the world because of a sibling that died. It's very special. It's heartbreaking and it's very, very, very special. I don't take that lightly. I don't take that as a fluke or as an accident or as a, a strike of luck. This is it's a really big deal to me. So, and, and to our whole family, and it's just the beginning. This is just the beginning. This podcast, uh, episode 98 is just the beginning. So love you guys. Thanks for listening. Email me. I hope I could answer it for you. See you guys next episode. Yee yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel, hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.